Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with Lou Weiss. Lou is the sponsor of the show through his company, All Metals and Forge Group. If you're looking for open die forgings or seamless gold rings in several metal families for industrial and machine use, check out steelforge.com. Today we have joining us Norbert Orr, who is the senior correspondent for Manufacturing Talk Radio, who looks at the purchasing managers indexes around the world and some regional surveys in the U.S. Norbert, again, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you as always. Thank so you. the numbers look really, really good, Lou. What, what's going on <laughs> from your perspective? Looks pretty good. Everyone's uh, beginning to really cook with steam, and it seems as though that the global economy uh, is uh, significantly improving over, you know, the past year with COVID, uh, even though there are some uh, new variants of uh, COVID. But nonetheless, uh, the U.S. seems to be really cooking with steam. So I'm not going to take the steam away from Norbert Orr, and I'm going to let him talk to us and you folks about what's going on in the world. Norbert, welcome aboard. Very good. Well, we're all interested in what you have to say also, Lou, to uh, uh, get a feel for what, what's happening right now. That's what I try to do, is I try to talk to enough people that, that we uh, get, get some sense of uh, how busy different industries are. Uh, you know, right now, uh, home building is just unbelievably strong. And uh, it's driving copper prices, it's driving lumber prices, it's uh, uh, one of the biggest issues is driving is labor. Because the last time we had a downturn in the uh, house and home building, an awful lot of people who were subcontractors uh, decided to get out of the business. And just said we can't I can't survive. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go find something else to do. And they did. And now I also happen to believe that uh, these things have a way of self healing. That th those people who get frustrated and leave, when they see things really get good, they get frustrated and come back. <laughs> and so I think uh, I think we'll see that. Uh, uh, but most of general contractors, they only have one or two subcontractors these days because they have to have, they have to work so closely with them uh, to, to, uh, to maintain their, their business and so on. Uh, I was down in Florida two weeks ago and uh, the, the, the number of huge developments uh, it is just amazing. I was in the uh, Port St. Lucie, uh, Fort Pierce area, and uh, they've always lagged in, in terms of some of the other areas. If you don't compare Port St. Lucie to uh, West Palm Beach, for instance, it's two different worlds. But Port St. Lucie is, is on the map now and moving up and uh, uh, I looked, we, we wanted to get a rental for a four or five day stay in a condo or something, and everything was booked. Uh, 
just amazing the amount of activity. Well, I, I, I feel grateful that Fort St. Lucie is doing so well. I'm not sure how much it has an effect on our entire uh, U.S. economy, but, uh, but you're right, uh, things are coming back even in the smaller, uh, more restricted manufacturing areas. Yeah, the biggest challenge that I've found is, uh, and again, anecdotally, uh, talking with the fr a friend of one of one of my, my sons, uh, he, he is a car dealer. And right now, uh, he has 30 cars on the lot. And they're not able to get components at the assembly plants that they need. And so they're apparently not running or else they're running certain products, uh, higher end products or whatever from that. But uh, they have not been able to, to get all the components. And of course, his comment was, uh, they all sell, if I've got 30 of them, they all sell for this price. Because I don't have any, a good reason to discount anything about when I don't know when I'm going to get more cars from that. So I think the, the backlog in many of these industries uh, is much like automobiles and, uh, and uh, housing. Uh, that We're seeing a, a tremendous amount of demand that is pent up. We'll have to see how long it lasts. So Norbert, what is happening in the UK and the EU in terms of their indexes and how they're feeling about their economy? Well, uh, the U UK came in at 55.1 uh, and they bounced off of a three month low. Uh, but 55.1 uh, is a very acceptable reading and particularly when uh, you consider we're what, two years past Brexit or heading into the second year past Brexit. And they've done extremely well with that. Uh, business optimism. Now, uh, I don't like uh, sentiment when, when people are asking for, how do you feel about this? And so I try to, uh, I, I'm much happier with what were your sales last month? Uh, or were your sales better than the month before? Something that takes the opinion out of it and, and uh, goes to fact. Business optimism in the UK hit a six-year high this month. Wow. That's impressive. Now, that's an impressive number. Yeah. So no we expect to see that. Um, let me touch on the Eurozone for just a minute. Uh, it's all about output and new orders. Uh, the index uh, PMI was at 57.9 for the overall eight countries in the Eurozone. Uh, Germany hit 60.7, that's a 37 month high. Uh, the uh, France hit 56.1, a 37-month high. Italy, 37 or 56.9, 37-month high. So, Norbert, obviously, it's pretty widespread. 
Norbert, I'm wondering how France is doing so well in view of the fact that they're shut down. Um, again, people can only report on activities that are uh, that, that are in, in process. So uh, they may be at 80% of capacity, but uh, that 80% is doing well. So I, I, uh, the, the other thing is, you know, uh, manufacturers in particular are, are always capable of finding ways to do things. And it may be shifting uh, production, it may be uh, highlighting certain uh, production items, uh, any number of reasons how they do that. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like the old stories about uh, oil, uh, loading a, a tanker full of oil, send it 10 miles offshore so it, it could, could now be classified as imported oil. <laughs> and uh, not that, not, not that they're, they're unscrupulous, it's just they have very strong survival instincts. And, and so we see that. Now, uh, Greece was the only one of those eight countries and they were at 49.4, which is basically saying same as the month before. It's not really that bad, uh, but they've really gone through some, uh, uh, some good times recently and uh, they really needed to do that. Norbert, I'm curious about a country we almost have never talked about, uh, although it gets a lot of attention on the nightly news for other things. What is Russia's impact in terms of their purchasing horsepower and economy? You know, you prior uh, to prior to today. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> We'll, we'll have to see. And again, those boycotts and uh, all those things, people tend to find a way around those ultimately. They're, they're never as bad as, uh, as, they might, as they might seem. But uh, I really believe Russia is just so small. And it's definitely not a growth economy. So there's really not a lot to follow. Uh, and they're capable of uh, whitewashing the data uh, in a way that favors them. So uh, I've looked at Russia a number of times and I've never been able to gain confidence that they're really uh, uh, going to report something that's, that's meaningful. Uh, you probably saw the other report this morning that China's saying uh, their first quarter grew at 18 percent. Yeah. And I find that extremely interesting because uh, they, they have uh, uh, a flat line, basically, in terms of the, the PMI data and so on. Uh, the Kaishin survey was at 50.6 and the other was at 51.9. Uh, there's no way that that supports 16% uh, growth in uh, GDP. So it really makes me really makes me wonder. The point that you bring up and uh, is who do you believe more or less, China or Russia? 
Yeah, well, I always like the one about who do I believe, you or my own lying eyes. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it's uh, in the case of the Russians, uh, you, uh, believe your own lying, your own lying eyes as to what's happening because uh, I just I just can't the numbers don't correlate they 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 don't support each other whereas we go back and look at the UK at 55.1 that sounds perfectly logical for a 4.5 percent growth in GDP in the UK but if if I tried to I'll tell you it was 16%, you'd say, well, there's a, with that little difference, uh, you're not going to fool, fool us with that kind of a number. So uh, I, I do think uh, we need to be cautious about uh, uh, what these numbers really mean when it comes to some of those. Uh, uh, another factor, uh, and again, this is all political stuff. Uh, 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 Russia's attempt to intimidate Taiwan. Uh, I'm sorry, I said Russia. China's attempt to intimidate Taiwan. Right. And uh, uh, they would be hurting themselves tremendously because most of their semiconductors come from Taiwan. Not only ours, but theirs too. Uh, so I, I don't know what uh, what the name of the game is with what they've got going on right now. But Taiwan has been a democracy for 70 years. Uh, I, I, I would hope that we can't let that uh, uh, kind of intimidation actually have any impact. And so what is their semiconductor output at this point, Norbert? Obviously, there's a shortage worldwide. Well, uh, as you've seen, uh, Intel has announced a major $20 billion investment in new uh, chips and so on. Uh, others have done the same thing. AMD is doing the uh, same thing. Uh, uh, micro, uh, I can't get the name right of it right now, but uh, the other one of the other major U.S. manufacturers. So you know they're all putting money into expansion, but uh, that means a lot of equipment, and so that doesn't come overnight. They they can talk about it now, but it'll take. Uh, two years maybe to get a lot of that capacity in place. Well, the automotive industry is probably going to not be happy hearing that. They already have cars sitting on the line waiting for new chips to come in. Well, and some of them are better. Uh, Toyota was weathered all of this quite well. They had uh, the ability to move cars around and keep their lines running and so on. Uh, and some of the others in Asia did, have not done anywhere near as well. So they've been struggling with enough components to build out uh, their monthly plan. So we'll just have to see where, where they wind up. I think the number that I heard uh, here in the US that 
because of the chip shortage that we'll be producing between a million and a million and a half less cars as a result. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at that at, that at all. Right. Uh, you know, the other thing unique to Taiwan is uh, I, I've been over there, I guess, in the last number of years, uh, at least seven times. And uh, I, I've been amazed with the number of tourists that are in Taiwan. And basically, they're all uh, from Chinese mainland. <laughs> it's their favorite place to uh, uh, vacation. Well, that's where they take all their money. And uh, I guess they, the Chinese pay them and then they go back, you know, back and forth. Uh, but by far, Taiwan is way ahead in terms of the importance of their, their product. Uh, you know, ta Taiwan is the semiconductor capital of the world. Uh, they've, they've got uh, the, by far the greatest amount of capacity of, of high-end chips. Right. Some of the low-end stuff they, they have, have shied away from for a, a number of reasons. Yeah, clearly uh, that is going to have its ripple effects, which we're watching with interest. And we actually have a uh, article in the March issue, uh, sorry, April issue of Manufacturing Outlook Easing on that very subject. So we'll have to watch that. Norbert, headwinds. I mean, obviously things are going well, uh, short of a geopolitical uh, screw up. What else could derail what we've got going? Well, if we, if we go down and look at uh, just simply the things that really support manufacturing, it's the, the ability to purchase components from wherever in the world they can do the best job for them and, and buy from those, uh, those places. Uh, and so that, that's the first thing. Uh, rare earth minerals kind of falls into that line. Of, uh, China has uh, just about a lock on many of the rare earth, though I've heard about some things going on out west that uh, to try to expand our production of rare earth. Uh, certainly that's an issue. Uh, I, I think the political issue, uh, uh, and particularly the politics surrounding the virus, uh, I, I just find it hard to believe that uh, we, we can't get a, a better picture of uh, was China responsible for the virus? Were they not? You know, how are they going to let them off the hook? Uh, for any of that, uh, and, uh, and, I, and I think uh, the, the only way we can hope that we don't have to go through another virus is to find out the answers to some of those questions, and they may not be answerable. Uh, uh, certainly to this point, the, uh, the Chinese haven't shown any willingness to accept any for them to accept responsibility is for them to expect to accept liability. Right, right. And uh, uh, I don't know how many lawyers they have in uh, China, 
probably if they need a few more, we could send uh, some of ours. <laughs> uh, some of ours, as long as we don't have to to guarantee them, uh, <laughs> or get them back. Right. Just leave them there. <laughs> right. Uh, so I think that those things. I think. Uh, uh, the uh, inventory situation, it has taken far longer to resolve the inventories so that we're, we're trying to run at high capacity with low inventories. And that's very, very difficult to do. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I looked for that. I, uh, and right now, uh, pricing. Uh, if we look at any, almost anything, you look at, uh, at the ISM report and it gives you all the commodities that are up in price. Uh, that's significant to be able to have reasonable prices, you know, and ultimately the cure for high prices is high prices. And, <laughs> and when those prices go down, it's because demand finally uh, switched, uh, created greater capacity. It's, it's some something that's driving those uh, the demand side of it uh, in order to uh, to get people to, to back off on the pricing. And uh, there is the Fed keeps saying there's no inflation, and I have a hard time uh, accepting that. Yeah, it's certainly being felt in the B two B world. I'm not sure it's being felt yet in the B to C world. We'll just have to play that out. Uh, Norbert, I'm just curious about one more subject. Container ships and containers. Obviously, we had the blockage of the Super We've had uh, container ship lines pull ships out of the mix. They're bringing on larger capacity ships. Container costs have doubled uh, since about the first of the year. Um, what does that look like in terms of a headwind on imports? Well, it certainly didn't help that we had that ship get stuck in the Suez Canal and uh, stop everything, back up a couple hundred ships that were coming in, <coughs> excuse me, in many instances coming into Long Beach and LA, typical routes that they run. Uh, that's always a balancing act, Tim. Uh, do we have enough containers? Uh, who, who's controlling the containers? Um, and I think it'll continue to be somewhat of a problem as long as we're trying to run at this kind of level. And, you know, if China is as busy as they say they are, then uh, they may be... Uh, flooding the marketplace with product around the world. So I, I think it's very difficult. No doubt, no doubt. Lou, anything else you want to throw into the mix before we uh, wrap up with Norbert? No, I actually, uh, I usually do bring up uh, about this time of the show about Brazil, but I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> Brazil is so far off the chart. I mean, it's a good thing that you've got uh, 
three or four column wide, eight and a half by 11 sheets because Brazil is almost at the far left. So we're gonna leave them alone. They've got their problems, they got their politics, they got their criminals, they got their criminals and they got the politics, which is probably one and the same. So I'm gonna leave that out. Yeah, I, I think it's showing the weakness in the overall economy. And when I say weakness, I'm not talking about production. I'm talking about the weakness of the, the basic fundamentals, the rule of law, Right. Other things that are uh, that are going on from that, as opposed to say India, which India is doing all kinds of things to uh, to beef up their capability to do that. Uh, they've put credit cards in place, and uh, uh, India has uh, uh, had problems historically with people not wanting to pay their taxes. And so they, they see the answer being that there will be no cash transactions. They'll all have to be on credit cards. Right. <laughs> and that way their national sales tax will play out nicely for them. Right. Right. And so they, they track that. And, and I think that's reasonable. Uh, if you don't have integrity within your business transactions, that's not the type of uh, uh, economy you can count on, nor is it one you would want to invest in. Yes, true, true. Well, I think well, to help the, uh, the India economy, all Americans on this Sunday should call somebody in India and tell them that their auto insurance and warranties on their cars are expiring. <laughs> okay. Tim, well, so we appreciate you being on with us. And as always, we encourage people to go to mfgtalkradio.com to hear Norbert's reports or surf over to Jacket Media Co. That's CO, jacketmediaco.com, where you can see all of our podcasts listed. And we're we have four weekly shows and two monthly shows and an easing that goes out. So we're really busy pushing out content to the manufacturing industry. And as always, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.